Open your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. It's been a joy for Lori and I to be with you folks this month, and you've extended too many kind words to us, so you don't have to say any more, because I think sometimes we get to exaggerating and embellishing a little bit. And that, uh, when I hear what People say, boy, we really enjoyed what you said, and then you tell me what I said. I think, I didn't say that. Who are they listening to? You must have been listening to a a podcast during the service rather than the message. But regardless, I'm grateful for the kind words. My interest is, did you hear what the Spirit had to say to the church? And are you continuing to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? This morning, I'm going to teach a little bit. It'll be a different type of sermon for myself, but in the teaching, I'll take a little time to teach, and then I'm going to preach, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you today. In Luke chapter 19, a very familiar story, and today I want to remind you, remind this eternal bound audience, why Jesus came. Luke chapter 19, if you're able, would you please stand with me for the reading of the scripture this morning? We'll commence in verse number one. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house." And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, again, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach your word. But if your Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us, The best I can do is educate, and at worst, entertain. Our desire today is to hear from you. Would you speak to our hearts today? And Father, once again, we were concerned about that soul that's one heartbeat from hell. I pray that you would open their eyes and that they would get serious about their spiritual condition and that they would see that only Jesus can save them. I pray that they would be saved today. Now for this wonderful church, this precious church, 
We ask that you would speak to us, fire us up to do what you've called us to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In the text we have just read, we're introduced to the man Zacchaeus. For those of you that were raised in Sunday school, you remember singing a little song. Do you remember that? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Is there only four of us at that? Come on, let's do it. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. How many have never heard that song? Well, you should have listened. We just sang it to you. The Bible says a lot about Zacchaeus. He's really no stranger to this high-tech 21st century world. Zacchaeus sold out his Jewish brethren working for the government to collect taxes from his brethren, the Jews. The Bible says that he was a publican. Now, because of the South, I need to be sure you heard what I said. He is a publican. I did not say he was a Republican. He was a publican. He was, he, he, was, uh, he was the scum of moral character. He was immoral. He was a cheat. He was a thief. He would have sold his mother for a shekel if he could get it. And just as the Pharisee was revered by the community as the height of moral purity, the publican was looked at as the pit of filth. And the Bible says not only was he a publican, but he was the chief of publicans. He was the perfect specimen of immorality. Yet Zacchaeus had position. He had popularity, he had power, he had possessions. He had money, he had authority, he had prestige, he had influence, he had notoriety, he had political clout, many of the things that many of God's people wished they had. He'd climbed the corporate ladder, if you please. But he wasn't happy until he climbed the sycamore tree. He had job security, he had financial security, he had social security, but he did not have eternal security. And I want to remind this eternal bound audience and even the people of God this morning, Money does not satisfy and does not bring peace. Pleasures do not satisfy, nor do they bring peace. Popularity does not satisfy, nor bring peace. Only, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Now look at the first nine words of verse number three. 
which capture my attention. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Now, folks, we read through the scripture sometimes way too fast. Think for a moment. Do most wealthy people want to know God? That's not a condemnation. That's not a false judgment. Even Jesus said it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. When people have no physical needs, they think they have no need of God. That's not true of every rich man, but it is true with the majority. Here is Zacchaeus, a wealthy man, yet he has a desire to see Jesus. Not only was he wealthy, but he was wicked. A, a, a publican was just, nobody expected it anything of him. He could have, he could have position in government knowing of the immoral man that he was, and nobody even thought a thing of it. He was wicked and wealthy, and yet he wanted to see Jesus. I don't know about you, but that makes me wonder why. What captured his attention? What stirred his curiosity? Why did he humble himself, if you please, and nearly make a fool of himself to climb up in a sycamore tree to get a glimpse of this man, Jesus. Well, I'm not sure, I'm not for sure that I can tell you point blank what caused him, but I can run through the New Testament and see other things that are taking place which may have had an impact on his life. And so today I'm going to ask you to go along with me because I'm going to tell you a little Bible story. But for you to really enjoy it, you need to get your virtual glasses. They're in the pew in front of you. If you'll just grab those imaginary virtual glasses and put them on, you're going to go with me and go through the New Testament to see what possibly could have motivated this wicked, wealthy man to want to see Jesus. You got them on? Then you can see them. Ah, there he is. Mr. Zacchaeus, the CEO of Jericho. <laughs> Sitting in his walnut room behind his big oversized desk in that soft Corinthian leather chair. He's leaning back, thumbing and massaging that big old Masonic ring, contemplating his next major investment and his soon retirement plans. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And before he could say, come in, a middle-aged man busts in the room, nearly out of breath, with a glow on his face from excitement and relief. Zach, I'm sorry to barge in like this, but... I, I, I came to give you my two weeks notice. I, I really don't know how to explain. Slow down there, Matthew. You can't be serious. You're going to resign and leave. The, I, I know what you're thinking. 
I know I make a lot of money and I have great contacts and soon I get to have your job and when and if you ever retire. And I understand all the perks that go with it. But Zach, let's be honest. We are miserable people. Matthew, Matthew, it's hard to be rich and miserable. What in the world has gotten into you? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You see, I was sitting at the seat of customs doing the usual work, and a man came by, and he looked at me. And just his look engaged me. It was as if he could see right through me, and he could. And right there on the spot, he cleansed me, and I'm a new man. He's the savior of the world and he cleansed my heart and he asked me to follow him. And, and so I came to give you my two weeks notice. But quite frankly, I don't want to wait two weeks. I don't need my severance pay. I don't need my retirement package. I just want to follow Jesus. And, and Zacchaeus, if you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it. You'll never be the same. Wow. Zacchaeus is stunned. He was always a man in control, and he certainly was not accustomed to someone under him making a decision without his permission or at least his counsel. You see, control freaks do not like individuality or creativity. And now this control freak is beginning to get angry as he burns up inside and he feels humiliation setting and he'll be back. He's a fool. When he realized how good he had it here, he'll come crawling back begging for his job. In fact, I'm not even going to call the temp agency. I'm not going to replace him. I'll just do his job. I'll show him how easy of a job he had. I'm not going to show him and give him even the respect that we'll take two or three men to do all that he's done. I'll do it myself. So Zacchaeus leaves the office to run the route to collect taxes that Matthew typically did. Goes down to the corporate garage and gets into his 2022 black Mercedes Benz. Now, some of you are questioning right now, saying, how do you know Zacchaeus had a 2022 black Mercedes Benz? Listen, I'm telling the story. I'm going to tell it like I like it, okay? <laughs> Gets in that Mercedes, and he drives over there to the dock of the bay and puts it on a ferry going to Gadara. When the ferry lands, he drives the car over to Mark chapter 5. He walks up to the house, knocks on the door, and sees a woman with a half dozen children under the age of eight. And he's thinking, oh, brother, my first visit, I got to deal with a bunch of screaming kids. She comes to the door and he recognizes that face, a face with no hope, no joy, drained of self-worth and dignity. 
He'd seen many abused wives in his lifetime. Ma'am, I'm Zacchaeus. I've assumed the tax collecting duties of my assistant, Matthew. So I'm here to collect your taxes that are, whoa, way overdue. Oh, Mr. Zacchaeus, I've spent every shekel I have to feed my children. You see, my husband, he's not the man I used to know. Our marriage started off okay, but then slowly he turned into a, a crazy man, yelling and screaming and threatening, and then start beating the children, and then start pushing me around and hurting me. It's, it's like the devil got into him. He, he's not even in the house. He moved out months ago, and they say he's, he's living up in the graveyard, and he hollers and screams at night, and the authorities have gone out to arrest him, and they bind him up with shekels, and it's like he's a wild animal with superhuman strength. When they bind him up, he just breaks off the fetters. Even the authorities are afraid of him. Well, ma'am, let me interrupt you here. I'm really not here to counsel you about marriage, but maybe if you were a better wife, you wouldn't have driven him crazy. But whether you can keep a husband or not is not my business, not my concern. I'm here to collect taxes. And you owe the government quite a hefty sum. I'll tell you what, I'm a little new on this route. I'll give you a couple months. But when I come back in a couple of months, you better have some type of payment for your taxes. He gets in the car and he's, a little miffed and a little upset, still very angry with Matthew just up and leaving him. Gets back in that black Mercedes and drives over there to Matthew chapter 9. He knocks on the door. He sees through the screen a little old lady hunched over, moving slowly toward the door. He focused in on her appearance and her eyes were sunken in. Her skin was an orangish color and she could hardly lift her feet and barely lift her head. He didn't know if she was even going to make it to the door. And so he he exerted a little energy and said, Ma'am, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm here for Matthew today and I'm here to collect your, your, your overdue taxes. Oh, well, Matthew must have told you of the incurable disease that I have. It not only has drained me of my health, but it's drained me of my finances. I've spent every farthing on medical bills. I have this rare blood disease, and they're trying to find a cure, but if they don't find a cure, it's going to take my life. I'm sorry, I'm not evading, pay, avoiding paying taxes. I just don't have any money to give you. Well, man, sh- surely you've got family. Surely you have friends that can help you. You're a Roman citizen. You need to be paying your taxes. Tell you what, I've got to come back in a couple of months and I'll stop by and I'll give you two months to get something together. 
But when I come back in a couple of months, you better have some tax money ready. Gets back in that old Mercedes. Man, he's 0 for 2. Hasn't collected a shekel for the Roman government. Which angers him even that much more towards Matthew. Drives over there to Luke chapter 18. His hometown of Jericho. He's ticked. And now he... He's thinking, well, maybe it's my countenance. Maybe it's maybe I need a positive attitude. Maybe if I smile, that will help warm people up a little bit. And he gets out of his car and there he is. He's sitting on the front porch on the swing, gazing out into the blue skies, just staring away out into outer space. And and Zacchaeus gets out of the car and says, Bartimaeus. How you doing today? I'm, I'm here to collect your taxes. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you come in. Well, I wondered why you ignored me after I smiled and waved at you. You just so rudely ignored me. Well, somebody surely must have told you that I'm blind. And as a blind man, I'm handicapped. There are no jobs for blind people. I I barely get enough people to give me money to buy bread for me to eat. Surely there's some type of provision in the Roman government to exclude those that are handicapped, that are unable to work. Uh, But I have no money to give you, sir. Uh, People do what they want to do. If you wanted to be a good citizen of the Roman government... You would have found a way, even when you're out begging, you could have taken a few of the mites. You could have given something, set something aside to pay towards your taxes. We all have hardships. And I got to come back in a couple of months and I'll, I'll stop by your house. But I'm telling you, Bartimaeus, you better find some shekels. You better find some money to pay towards your taxes. Or you won't be sitting on your front porch swing anymore. You'll be sitting in a prison cell. I'm just giving you a fair warning. You better have some money to pay your taxes. He gets in the car and he is simmering. He's in shock and anger and drives over there to John chapter 11. Knocks on the door. Sees two women holding themselves They're weeping and crying and they're holding each other up. And he's thinking, oh, my word, and I got to deal with two weeping women. This is not a good day. Excuse me, ladies, but I'm looking for a gentleman by the name of Lazarus. And oh, they just start crying even more. That's our brother. And he died yesterday and Quite frankly, we were hoping you would be somebody else. Well, sorry, ladies, to disappoint you. But I'm here on business for the Roman government. The records indicate that you owe some money to the Roman government for your taxes. And I need to collect them today. Sir, we, we just spent our last shekel for the burial of our brother. And quite frankly, he's the one that earn the money in our home and, and we, don't, we don't have any money right now and 
Right now, we're not even thinking about what we're going to do to earn money, to make provision for us to live. And ladies, you have my sympathy. Let me just, let me just shorten this conversation a bit. I got to come back in a couple of months anyway. And I'll tell you what, that should be enough time for you to, to go through your sorrow and get your mind together and function in life again. But you need to get some money set aside for your, for your tax bill. And I'll be back in a couple of months. Zacchaeus returns to his office in Jericho. He's actually expecting to see Matthew there. Goes up to the office. There's no sign of Matthew. Where is he? Can't believe he's not back begging for his job. A couple of months go by. Zacchaeus decides to run that route. Gets back in his car and drives over there to Mark chapter 5. He knocks on the door. And a good-looking young man stands in front of him. And he says, Zacchaeus says, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the lady of the house. Uh, she had about six children, if I remember, all under the age of eight. And, I mean, they were just hanging and crying. And quite frankly, I don't know how she had any sanity with all those kids. You mean, you mean my precious wife? No, uh, I don't think so. The lady of the house said that her husband was a crazy man. He was a wild man. He, he lost his mind and it, he moved out months ago. It was like the devil got into him. He was, I think she said he was living up in the cemetery. Oh, oh, yes, sir. I was that man. Well, what do you mean you was that man? What happened? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You see, one day a man named Jesus passed by and he knocked the devil right out of me. And he put me in my right mind and he clothed me. He saved me from all my sin. And quite frankly, he made a new man out of me. I don't ever remember feeling or thinking or doing or wanting what I do now. I haven't been the same man ever since. My wife and I were working on our marriage and, and she's a little skeptical and concerned, but we're working some things out and I'm loving my kids and telling them about Jesus who changed my life. And my wife told me that you'd be coming by and I've been working hard. So Zacchaeus, put your hand out there. I've got some money for you. I've never in my entire life been anxious to pay taxes. But now I thank God that I'm able to do so. Wow, that felt good. I got to tell you, Zacchaeus, if you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it. You'll never be the same. Zacchaeus gets in his car. He's dazed. Wow. From a demon-possessed man to someone that's a holy roller? Whoo. He got bit bad. Well, I got my taxes. He drives over there to Matthew chapter 9 and wraps on the door, screen door, and a very good-looking woman starts approaching him. He checks his breath. 
Sucks in his gut. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. Is your mother home? My mother? She doesn't live within a hundred furlongs of this place. In fact, she hasn't visited me in several months. Well, I'm looking for this little old lady, and she was hunched over. Her skin was yellow. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not being critical, I, but I mean, she, I mean, she looked like she could barely make it to the door. She told me she had this weird blood disease that she's, she, she may not be alive the next time I come. Uh, 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 yes, that's me. That's you? Ma'am, I, I don't want to sound inappropriate, and I'm surely not coming on to you, but man, you're so healthy looking and rosy cheeks sparkle in your eye, and ma'am, you're just, you're just beautiful. What happened? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You see, one day a man named Jesus passed by. And he was surrounded by a crowd. And I knew, I knew he was the Messiah. I knew he was the one sent from God. And I knew if I could just, if I could just get before him, even if I couldn't talk to him and ask for a blessing, if I could just touched the hem of his garment. And I tried to make my way through the crowd, but I was so weak and feeble. And, and so I got down on my knees and I started to crawl through the crowd. And when I reached the feet of Jesus with all the strength I had, I lunged and grabbed on the hem of his garment. And immediately, I felt life come into me. And then I was frightened because he said, who touched me? And I was afraid he'd be angry with me. I said, it's me. But he wasn't angry. He commended me. And he told me that my faith is all that he was looking for. Because of my faith, I'm healed. Because of my faith, I'm saved. And not only has God healed my body, He has healed my soul. I'm more alive today than I've ever been. And I'm prepared to pay some money towards my taxes. I've never, ever in my life wanted to pay taxes. But thank you, God, for the privilege that I have to work to where I can pay my taxes. Zacchaeus, put your hand out. I got to tell you, this may not seem much to you, but I'm so thrilled to pay my taxes. Whew. If you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it. You'll never be the same. Zacchaeus gets in his car and he's thinking, wow, two wacko stories in a row? And they're similar. Well, I got my taxes. And he drives over there to Luke chapter 18. And there he is, old Bartimaeus, sitting on the front porch swing with that silly grin on his face, staring out into the wild blue skies. And before Zacchaeus could say a thing, Bartimaeus speaks first. And he says, wow, Zacchaeus, nice ride. <laughs> that European look is getting really popular over here in the Middle East. And 
Black is my favorite colored car. If you can keep it clean, I thought you were blind. I knew you were lying to me, giving me that story and trying to appeal to my emotions. Handicapped and can't work a job. You were lying to me. You have some explaining to do, bud. Oh, I'd love to tell you. See, one day, I was out shaking the tin can. I heard a crowd passing by. And I asked what was going on, and someone told me it was Jesus passing by. And I knew he was the Son of God. I knew that he had power to heal. I knew he was the Messiah, the promised one to Israel. Though I couldn't see him, I cried loud enough to where he could hear me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And his disciples tried to hush me up and tell me to quiet down. So I cried so much the more. And he stopped and stood and had someone bring me into his presence. I'll never forget, he asked me, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? I said, Lord, if I could receive my sight. And he told me, my faith hath saved me. And the first person, the first sight I saw was God manifest in the flesh standing before me. Oh, I've not been the same since. And I've been working like an honest man does. And I'm thankful that I can pay taxes. Put your hand out there. and Let me pay my taxes. And I thank God that today I'm a new man. And oh, Zacchaeus, I would never tell you what to do. But if you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it you'll never be the same. Wow. He gets in his car and he starts driving and his heart is pumping. He's now talking to himself, Jesus. If I get a chance to see Jesus, what do you mean Jesus? He can't be the son of God. No man can be God. And even if he is, I don't need them. I make a lot of money. I've got everything anybody could ever want. In fact, I have to say God has blessed me abundantly. I have the things that many of those people are actually desiring. I've got it. God's been good to me. But if I don't need God, why is my heart troubled? Why is it even impacting my thoughts? He pulls up to Mary and Martha's house and walks up the cobblestone walk to the door. And, and as you know, a good-looking young man meets him at the door. Good afternoon, young man. I'm here looking for Mary and Martha. Oh, you mean my sisters? Impossible. They told me they only had one brother, and that brother 
was dead. In fact, if I remember right, they said he was in the, in the grave for two or three days. He said, well, quite frankly, it ended up being four. Well, what happened? Well, since you asked, let me tell you. One day, I died. That's where you came in and met my sisters. Four days later, Jesus came. And he cried out my name, Lazarus! And I woke up and I, whoa, that's me. Come forth! So I did. And I've been alive since. And I'm happy to tell you today that Jesus Christ brought me back to this life to bring honor and glory unto him. And so I, as a good Roman citizen and a wonderful, loving follower of Jesus Christ, I want to be a good citizen. So put your hand out and let me pay my taxes. And I got to tell you something, Zacchaeus, there's a lot of religious quacks out there. But if you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it. You'll never be the same. Now, folks, let's pause in the message for a moment. Take off your virtual glasses. Set them down. I don't know that's how that all happened, for sure especially about the Mercedes. But I do know all the miracles that I shared with you did happen. Something motivated Zacchaeus. He wanted to see Jesus, who he was. Well, what did he see? It's worth at least acknowledging he wanted to see Jesus, so what did he see? He saw, first of all, that Jesus saw him. Look in verse number five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Can I remind this eternal bound audience today, regardless of where you're at, up in a tree or under a rock, in the light or in darkness, God sees you. He sees everything that you do. When you think nobody else can see you, the Navy SEALs can't get at you. God can see you. He sees you when you're sinning. He sees you when you're suffering. He sees you when you're serving. He sees it all. He the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, beholding that which is good and evil. There isn't anything that passes the eye of God. And you and I need to be reminded of that. Whether you know God as your father and as your savior or whether you're a child of the king, sometimes we live our life as if it's our life. He sees everything. Not only does he see you, secondly, Jesus knew him. He said unto him, verse number five, Zacchaeus. I don't know about you, but that would freak me out, wouldn't it? I mean, uh, we were at a preacher's meeting in Illinois, southern Illinois. Nobody knows us. It's a country town. Uh, we had to drive miles just to get to a Walmart. You know you're in the country if there's no Walmart. We drove miles to go to a Walmart. This is 7 o'clock in the morning. We had time, and my wife needed to get some things, and so I go like a good husband, and 
and I'm following her into Walmart. She takes off. She's fast. I'm slow. I'm just browsing through. My mustache isn't curled. I look like a walrus out of the woods. And I'm just moseying through the store, minding my own business, blue jeans, T-shirt. I don't look very pastoral. And all of a sudden, I hear from behind me, Pastor Humbert. And I think, this is a dream. (laughs) Nobody here in this part of Illinois knows me. Besides, I don't even look like me. And so I kept walking, and then I heard, Pastor Humbert. And I turned around and looked. Oh, Pastor Humbert, you were such a blessing. And I'm thinking, boy, am I glad I wasn't smoking a cigarette. (laughs) Here I thought nobody knew me. And when I heard my name called, it just shocked me. Zacchaeus, he's up in a tree. And Jesus, who he did not know, never met before, never had any interaction Stops and says, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus probably looking around to see if there's someone else around. God not only sees you, he knows you. He knows you better than your husband knows you. He knows you better than your wife knows you. He knows you better than your children know you. He knows you better than your preacher knows you. And quite frankly, none of them know you as well as Google And God knows more than Google. I'm just reminding you today when you feel like God doesn't understand, God wouldn't get it. Oh, yeah, he does. He knows you. He knows when you're struggling. He knows when you're lonely. He knows when you're hurting. He knows you. Not only did he see him and know him, look again in verse number five. The Bible says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. He wanted him. He wanted him. Have you ever heard people say, I've heard it in marriage counseling. Yeah, she loves me. She just doesn't want me. There is a difference. Love is an action. Jesus said, make haste, come down. Why? I want you. Don't stay up there. We can converse. No, come here with me. That's what's one of the many wonderful things about a church. You can walk in a church and you're a guest one week and maybe two weeks, but after a while, you're going to be part of us. You know why? We want you. Where did we learn that? From God, our Father. He wants us. Come here. Come down. God wants you. When you feel like nobody wants you, can I just remind you, God does? That's why he says, come unto me, all ye that labor. Come. The bride and the spirit say, come. God says, come now and let us reason together. Let's talk this through together. I'm not going to belittle your comments. I'm not going to tell you how stupid you are. Let's reason together. I can help you with this. God wants you. He also saw that God loved him. Look in verse 5. For today I must abide at thy house. 
You didn't get invited to somebody's home unless you were family or very close friend. Someone that was loved. And Jesus said, come down because I want to come to your house today. That just blew it. Not only did he want him in his presence, he wanted him because he loved him. A lot of times people will ask me to sign their Bibles after a church service, and usually I'll sign Galatians 2.20 with my name, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now here's the reason why I love the verse. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I know God loved the world. And I can understand how God can love certain people. Some people are just easier to love. For him to love my dad, everybody loved my dad. For God to love my mom, everybody loved my mom. For God to love my wife, everybody loves my wife. But I know me. I know what I've done. I know what goes through my mind. I know what has proceeded out of my mouth. And the fact that God loves me, I've never gotten over it. And when people don't love me, that's, I don't deserve anybody's love. But especially, I'm undeserving of God's love. The magnitude of God's love, I couldn't even begin to tell you because it's beyond words. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ. He loves you. If you're here today and you do know Jesus Christ, I think some of us need to be reminded he knows you. He sees you. He wants you. He loves you. And I started the whole message stating that I wanted to remind this church, this eternal bound audience, why Jesus came. Did you notice that the first nine verses of this chapter all begin with the same word? Every verse, the first nine verses, all begin with the word and. That's a connecting conjunction. And, one, verse two, and, three, and, four, and, 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 and. And then we get to verse number 10. Four. The word for here is a synonym of because has a little different meaning, but because. It's almost, you remember mom before you went out the door somewhere, she said, don't forget to, and, and don't forget, and don't forget, and please, and, 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 because I want you to be a good boy. It's almost like 
the narrative here is going through some facts quickly as possible to get to a point. All this happened, all this is recorded for a reason. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, God sees every one of us. Yes, God knows every one of us. Yes, God wants every one of us. Everyone. God is not willing that any should perish. He wants us all. He loves us all. For God so loved the world. Not just a few. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, anybody, you don't have to perish. You don't have to die and go to hell. God loves you. He wants you. Ultimately, he wants to save you. God is not willing that any should perish. None of you. None of the people that aren't even here today. People around the globe today. The people that are throwing up bombs in the air and killing people innocently. God doesn't want any of them to go to hell. He wants to save them all. And he wants to save you. If you're in the room today and you die and go to hell you're not going to point a finger at God and say, I never had a chance, I didn't understand. Because right here, right now, God is speaking to your heart and you're trying to, in your mind, defend yourself and say, but I'm a good person. I go to church. I've been raised in church. I can know the scriptures. I'm, I'm not that bad of a person. If God's speaking to you today, it's because he loves you and wants to save you. Why will you die and go to hell? Let him save you right here, right now. This is the right place. This is the right time. Behold now. Behold today. This is the time to get saved. Nobody in this room is going to tell God, well, today's not a good day. I'll get saved another time. No, you'll get saved when God speaks to you. You're not going to strut to Calvary and let him know when and where we can make a deal. No. You won't even have a desire to be saved unless he speaks to you. And if God is speaking to you today, you ought to run to Jesus. And trust him as your savior. Now that's a lengthy introduction. And I'll still be out on time. You say what time is on time? They told me to preach to whenever. So that's whenever. Won't be long. Two thoughts. I'm going to make application. Two things. Number one. If you're here today. And you're not saved. What could I do as a preacher? I'm a visitor. I'm not even a member here. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm no better than you. In fact, 
If we went through our laundry list, you might actually, in man's eyes, be a better person than me. But because we both sinned, we both deserve to go to hell. We can't expect God to let us in with even a little bit of sin. Can't happen. Heaven would not be heaven if there was any sin in heaven. Adam and Eve had it made in the shade, did they not? Till one sin came in. God's not going to allow one sin into heaven. Can't happen. It wouldn't be heaven. God wouldn't be God. Now, God loves you. He loves me. And I have trusted, meaning I put my faith, not in my good works, not in my good church, not in my good efforts. I put my faith in God and God alone to save me. Ye must be born again, Jesus said. I am the way, Jesus said. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You're not going to heaven any other way. There's, there's a lot of roads that lead to New York and there's a lot of roads to go to heaven. That's a horrible comparison. We're not driving to New York. There's only one way to heaven. Either Jesus is a liar and a fraud or he is who he said he was. And I'm going to tell you, there's thousands, yea, millions that have Jesus Christ in their life. And they'll tell you not out being braggadocious, not being condemning, not thinking we're superior. We're just telling you that God saved us. And we're happy to pay our taxes. We're happy to go to work. We're happy to have families. We're happy to go through difficulties because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Someday, you're going to lay this old carcass in a box. And you might weep. You might rejoice that I'm gone. But I'm here to tell you, I'll be in the presence of Almighty God. Not because I'm such a wonderful guy, even though I am cool with a mustache. That's not going to unlock the gates of heaven. Only Jesus can do that. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why would you waste another day when you're in the right place at the right time? He wants to save you. Today is the day of salvation. Now, call on him. Then secondly, to the church. I don't flatter very often. In fact, I don't know that I ever flatter. I wished I could. But when I try to flatter, I end up blowing it because then I have sarcasm with it because I can't tell a lie. And so I have to taint it somehow to be sarcastic. So I'm not very good at flattery. And I'm going to say, this is a wonderful church. We're going to miss not being with you people. I mean, you guys are so attentive in preaching. I'm going to tell Brother Ingram, this is one of the best listening churches. I've, what is the deal? I mean, they, they must be starving for good preaching here. What, <laughs> what is the deal? Just teasing. 
just lost my next invitation. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this is a good church. But I want to tell you, it's good because of your obedience to Christ. And when you start being selective in what you want to obey Christ in and excuse yourself from the other areas, or as Jesus said, the weightier matters, you're going to strain at a gnat and you're going to overlook the big stuff. You know what the big stuff is? We're in existence as a church to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're in business for. You say, well, we're here to bring glory to God. Oh, give me a break. You really think that's what the church is here for? Come on. How many of you old timers remember the TV commercials Ford? They would say, quality. Priority number one. Remember that? Try to get you guys to buy Ford rather than Toyota. Found on road dead. Just joking. The slogan, quality, priority number one. You know, in a church, it's just presumed you're going to glorify God. That's quality. But we're not in business for that. We're in business to make disciples. Ford's not in business to make quality. They're in business to make vehicles. As long as they're going to make vehicles, though, they're going to aim high and do it with quality, excellence. We're in business, not for excellence. We're in business to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And as long as we're going to endeavor in that excellence, quality, that's, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to do the best we can in every venue in making disciples for Jesus Christ. And we hear from church to church how hard it is to win souls to Jesus Christ. And then we turn right around and say, when the world gets dark, your light shines brighter. Now, which is it, class? You can't say it both ways. It's one or the other. Is our world getting darker? Is our nation getting darker? Come on, you know that. Then what you usually say, then the light gets brighter. We should stand out that much more. I'm just saying today, winning souls has never been easy. There just used to be a generation of people that carved time out of their schedules, that made it a priority in their life to share the gospel with others. To the point that even the Zacchaeuses, the wealthy, the wicked... I don't know how many wealthy live in this area, but I know there's a lot of wickedness in this area. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel can break through all that stuff. 
And you might have to light several sticks of dynamite on several different occasions and break through one layer and then break through another area and then break through another layer. But eventually you keep applying the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. And I'm suggesting to a good church, we sober up while we have time. We get serious about why we are in existence. I suggest to you the reason why Zacchaeus's aren't being saved today. They, he hasn't met enough people with a story of how God touched their life. Don't you know that when we go in our Walmarts back home and the different stores in our home, I give a track how often I hear from the cashier or from the worker in the store. I've already got three of those. That encourages me. I'm not the only one out there. And then when we start telling other people about Christ, they don't all get saved the first time we talk to them. They don't always come to church the first time we talk to them. They don't always respond positively. Sometimes they actually respond negatively. But listen, we are the ones who are to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. We are to go unto them. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That word prevail means it can't stop us. The only thing can stop us is us stopping. We are to charge the gates of hell and rescue the perishing. And I'm asking this church, good church, to humble themselves and say, dear God, I need a revival of soul winning. Dear God, I know better. I know all this. But I'm playing at it. And if we don't win souls to Jesus Christ, we can't condemn one sinful negative thing. Can I say this kindly? The Supreme Court is not our Savior. You mark it down. We're rejoicing for what the Supreme Court did this week. You're going to see a fight from hell like you haven't seen in years. And we think just because they overturn it, everything changes. No, those babies that would have gone to heaven are now going to grow up in a world next door to you and never hear the gospel and go to hell. You tell me which is worse. I'm just trying to appeal to the mind and to the heart of those of us that name the name of Christ to be serious about why we are in business. God help us to go and tell others about Jesus. Sir, I'm not here to condemn you. All I can tell you is this. Once I was going to hell. Today I'm going to heaven. If you ever get a chance to see Jesus, don't miss it. You'll never, ever be the same. Would you stand your feet with heads bowed?